Just a few years ago, when I was living in Austin, Texas, on a Friday afternoon, my only day off, I was coming home from a movie, and it was about 3.15 in the afternoon. Now, I lived at the downtown rectory of St. Austin's church, and St. Austin's had a school right behind the church and behind the rectory on San Antonio Street. And the school lets out about 3 o'clock. This means that dozens and dozens of parents arrived at precisely 3.15 to pick up their kids from school. So for about 15 minutes, I sat in a line of cars snaking down San Antonio Street within sight of my parking space with about a dozen cars between me and my destination. I was finally only about 10 feet away and there was one car still blocking my parking space. And as I was about to step out of my car to ask them to pull forward a little bit, an enormous pickup truck came zooming through that narrow space and nearly ran me over. I was furious. Now, I'm well aware that church parking lots are never a hotbed of Christian charity. <laughs> but this was just too much. In my head, I was composing phrases using the sort of words that most people reserve for golfing or root canal surgery. But before I could actually speak any of these colorful phrases, I remembered what had been told to me a little bit earlier by a wise spiritual director who once said to me, you're not stuck in traffic, you are the traffic. I'm not some privileged VIP being inconvenienced by all these other awful people. In the end, we're all just trying to get home. And I think that's the message of today's reading from the Book of Wisdom. God has mercy on us all. God loves everything that he's made. God rebukes us sinners little by little, giving us ample opportunity to repent and mend our ways. And God's mercy is for everyone, not just with people who agree with me or believe the way I do or who look like me. God's mercy isn't just for the good or the repentant or the converted, it's for everyone. Even that woman who didn't know she was blocking my parking space and the guy that was driving that enormous truck. In an age when we tend to demonize and shame and cancel people, people we may not even actually know, for all kinds of offenses, real or imagined, it's not surprising that we don't really seem to believe in mercy. Most of us seem to be keeping ever-growing lists of unforgivable sins, intolerable opinions, and offenses for which we have personal and collective zero-tolerance policies. So it's no wonder we've lost the ability to engage in real dialogue. But imagine the dialogue between Jesus and Zacchaeus, this tax collector. Tax collectors in those days were extortionists. Anything extra they could get, they could keep. They were also traders who worked for the Roman occupying forces. And so they were hated. Imagine this meeting as Jesus looks up to see this little villain who's climbed a tree to be able to see him. 
So what they have is not a come-to-Jesus talk where the Lord points out all the sins and weaknesses of the bad guy and calls him out for ridicule and shame. This is a Jesus-comes-to-you talk where the Lord invites himself over for dinner without asking up front for any signs of repentance or commitment to change. This is how God's mercy is expressed in the real world. Not when we're ready to accept someone who's already seen the light and had a conversion of heart. God's mercy is manifested when we put down our weapons, drop our self-righteousness, swallow our pride, and simply be with someone who's different, who is struggling, or with whom we disagree. And this is precisely what Pope Francis means when he reminds us that the mission of evangelization begins with accompaniment, stepping out of our comfort, our privilege, and our security to engage on a genuinely human level. We go out to accompany them. We don't demand that they come and accompany us. People complained that Jesus went to stay at the house of a sinner. So we should not be surprised if people complain that we are not hanging out with the right sorts of people. So how concretely can you accompany people and let them experience God's mercy? Oddly enough, I have some suggestions. First of all, if somebody is asking for a handout on the street, don't just hand them something and make it transactional. Ask their name and introduce yourself. Stop arguing on social media. It doesn't work. The algorithms don't promote dialogue or the exchange of ideas. Instead, when someone disagrees with you or has political opinions different from yours, take them out for coffee or a beer and listen to them without trying to change them or score points. When someone you know is caught up in a web of sinful or exploitive behavior, instead of calling them out or shaming them, Ask them privately if they need help and how you might help. And if you are the one stuck in a cycle of sin and shame, ask for the help and accompaniment that you need and be ready to offer the same to someone else. This is the foundation of every 12-step recovery program. At the end of this gospel, Jesus says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. That is a great mission statement. If we're trying to be his disciples, we should never be content to let anyone remain lost. And our willingness to be vulnerable and to show God's love and mercy to the homeless, to refugees, to sinners, to our political opponents, to the ones who've wounded us, to everyone, that's how we share our faith. When people experience God's mercy, their hearts can change and they may turn away from sin and injustice. But that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not our goal. Our goal is to accompany people with God's love and mercy. Authentic friendship doesn't have an agenda and mercy is not a prod to move people. Mercy lifts people's burdens. It doesn't give them new ones. In our hyper-competitive, increasingly polarized culture, it's more important than ever to love people where they are because God loves them as they are. 
And in the end, we're all just trying to get home. And that is reason enough to be merciful to each other.